tweet Adam at underscore Adam Crowley. Oh no, finish your tweet. It's not, that's not, just give us a second. There you go, hashtag it. This is the Adam Crowley Show on 970 ESPN and now on 106.3 FM. The Pirates have officially made room on their 40-man roster for Zheng Ho Gung. He will be going to AAA. I suppose he'll be remaining at AAA. They should have done him a service and sent him to AA. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley, we just got done watching Portugal and Espana in the World Cup. 3-3 tie, and I know they always say, we don't like ties, it's like kissing your sister. Well, I really enjoyed kissing my sister there. Wait a second. Cristiano Ronaldo scored all three goals for Portugal. Spain's got a team of 11 good players. Portugal's got that guy, and it got him a point. He's amazing. And he's beautiful. And he's beautiful. According to reports, Martavis Bryant might be getting suspended again by the National Football League. He is now a member of the Oakland Raiders. The Steelers traded him for a third-round pick, the pick that they used to take Mason Rudolph, who Ed Bouchette is reporting might be the Steelers' backup quarterback this year. Two things there. One, I actually feel bad for Martavis Bryant. And two, there's no way in hell... And I mean this, that Mason Rudolph's the Steelers' backup quarterback this year. One of those is juicier than the other, so we'll start with that one. Martavis Bryant is not going to play football again in his life if those reports are to be believed. And I don't see any reason not to believe the reports, given the checkered past of Martavis Bryant as it relates to substance abuse. He's not a murderer. He didn't do what Kellen Winslow II has been accused of, and my God, that is awful to read. If you've got children in the car, maybe turn the radio off, but Kellen Winslow II was accused of forcible rape and kidnapping and sodomy and a bunch of other horrific charges. What I don't like is that guys who do things, not quite what Kellen Winslow did, but guys who do things like domestic abuse, they play in the National Football League, and guys who smoke marijuana don't. I know, I know, he needs to follow the rules. They're not that hard to follow, but they're stupid rules. Martavis Bryant is running routes and catching footballs. Why do I need that guy to not be smoking pot? Why do I need that guy not to be having a good time? He's a professional wrestler, as far as I'm concerned. I think that the rules for the National Football League, as they relate to people who smoke pot, I think the rules in the National Football League, in terms of recreational drugs, are antiquated and draconian, and I wish that they'd just go away. This is 50% or more the fault of Martavis Bryant. I understand that, but the league's antiquated rules are keeping us from seeing one of the great talents in the National Football League. Martavis Bryant is a tremendous talent. Matt Williamson will join me at 540. He's often told me that he thinks he might have been the most talented receiver in the entire National Football League. This is a guy whose skill set compares to that of Randy Moss. Now, Moss is better, duh. And Moss didn't have all the problems, at least the drug problems, that Martavis Bryant had. But 
Their skill sets are similar. They run fast, they're tall, they go up and get the football. And now the league and the fans are all not going to be able to watch that because of this stupid policy and because of the stupidity of Martavis Bryant. There's also the possibility here, and I know I'm not supposed to feel bad for the guy, that he's addicted to drugs. But Crowley, marijuana is not addictive. Anything can be addictive. Anything. If it becomes habitual, if it's something that you rely on, if you're using it as a crutch, absolutely, it can be addictive. It doesn't have to be chemically addictive to be addictive. I can be addicted to video games because they continue to set off hormones in my brain. You can be addicted to marijuana. No doubt about that in my mind. None. Now, maybe not because of the marijuana itself, but you're having a bad day and you smoke a doobie and you feel better. You're going to do it again. The next day, and eh, maybe you're having trouble falling asleep. You smoke a J. You're going to keep doing it. And I understand it because it's fun. But perhaps he has legitimate addiction problems and he's not just this big buffoon idiot that we all think he is. Now, I can't stand people speaking as if they understand the situation. And perhaps I'm out to lunch here. But I'm always going to be on the side of the person who might have similar sensibilities to me. Martavis Bryant's around my age. Martavis Bryant likes to have a good time. Martavis Bryant might be addicted to drugs because of things he's going on with his life. And I'm going to stick up for him a little bit. Now, the other part of this is that the Steelers absolutely fleece the Raiders. Holy hell, John Gruden. You might want to go back to the Monday Night Football booth, bruh. Third round pick for a guy who might never play a snap in the National Football League again. And it begs the question, did the Steelers know that this might be a possibility before they traded Martavis Bryant? Even if not, it made sense to me at the time. You give up a player who's going to be around for one year, and he was never going to sign here, for a guy you're going to have around for four. And even if it's the backup quarterback for three of those four years, you need to fill that spot on the roster. It provides value. Without Landry Jones, the Steelers might not have made the playoffs a couple of years ago. You need that position. So it's a great job by Kevin Colbert, as I think it often is. He's, I think, one of the better general managers in the National Football League. If you didn't like the Steelers draft, how do you feel about it now? Got to be pretty damn pleased. If you didn't like the Steelers offseason, how do you feel about it now? You got to be pretty damn pleased. You replace Martavis Bryant with a guy, James Washington, who should play this year. Martavis Bryant, unlikely not to play. And you get maybe your franchise quarterback out of the deal. If he becomes the franchise quarterback, and all you had to give up was a guy who never played a snap a down in the league again I mean just put Kevin Colbert and Canton right now I think he's got a good shot anyway a couple championships but if you trade a guy who smokes pot doesn't play in the league for a potential franchise quarterback that's eh, a pretty big win I feel really good about the Steelers offseason I had felt really good about the Steelers offseason now I feel great about the Steelers offseason. Matt Williamson going to be joining us, as I mentioned, at 540 to discuss all that. 412-922-2874 if you'd like to discuss. Steelers are getting rid of their headaches. 
Again, I will stick up for Martavis Bryant because I don't know what he's going through in his life, but he was a headache to the Steelers last year. He was requesting a trade. He was putting on his boo-boo pouty face. He missed a bunch of practices. That's going to distract you. That's going to hurt, I think, the performance on the field when you're not working with one of your primary targets once or twice every couple of weeks because he's not out there on the field. James Harrison, gone. Mike Mitchell, gone. Todd Haley, gone. All of them contributed to the distractions last year. And as much as I don't think that distractions are the reason why the Steelers didn't live up to their expectations the last four years, the moves the Steelers are making make me kind of think that they do. It doesn't matter what I think. I think the bigger problem's been the defense. I think the bigger problem's been the playing down to the level of competition. But the Steelers, in getting rid of Bryant and Harrison and Mitchell and Haley, I think they're admitting a little bit, too, we don't need to have the sideshow going on. You can't get rid of Antonio Brown. You can't get rid of Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you could. But then you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. And these are two guys who, despite all the distractions that they've created for this football team, have always put up when they need to. 155, 170, and 167. Those are the yardage totals for Le'Veon Bell in each of the three playoff games that he's been healthy for. Antonio Brown has had five of his last six games in the playoffs go for over 100 receiving yards. Antonio Brown has had six straight seasons of over 100 receptions. These guys might be distractions, but they are helping the team win despite those distractions. Was Bryant a good enough player last year to put up with all that crap? Not in the Steelers' eyes. Was Harrison? No, they got rid of him at the end of the season. Was Mitchell? No. And Todd Haley, while I do think he's a good offensive coordinator, I don't think they got enough out of the offense. I don't think they've been getting enough out of the offense. And he's squabbling with the quarterback and getting arrested or at least having the cops called because something's going on on the North Shore. Something's going on at Tequila Cowboy. And we think Todd Haley's involved. So even though I don't think that these things have led to the Steelers losing games over the last four years, the Steelers are kind of saying otherwise here. They're kind of saying, you know what, we need to get away from that. And I think that their draft history over the last two years shows that they want the good guy. Sean Davis, every time I've talked to him, love him, makes me laugh. Kid's got his head on straight. T.J. Watt. What do you hear about him? Loves the game. James Conner, what do you hear about him? All he cares about is football. Josh Dobbs, what do you hear about him? Aerospace engineer. Steelers have gone out of their way, sort of, to draft players who, quote, unquote, love the game. No nonsense, hard workers, football players. And they get rid of Bryant, Harrison, Mitchell, and Haley. It tells me that they do think that there's a little bit of smoke to that fire. Apologies for the pun, Martavis Bryant. The Pirates got to blow this shiz up, right? I told you yesterday we weren't going to talk a lot about the Pirates. We won't. 
But I do think it's worth mentioning that though they are only two games under 500, you can't just be mediocre. This offseason, I thought the Pirates could have either kept McCutcheon and Cole and added or just gone full nuclear and blown the whole damn thing up. And what they did was they decided to do the middle ground. Let's trade a couple of dudes. Let's hold on to another couple of dudes. And let's hope that it's 2013 and we can surprise. Well, 2013s don't come around every all, all that much. It doesn't work that way. Where you're the surprise team. You can't hope to catch lightning in a bottle twice. So I say blow it up and blow it up good. You keep Meadows. You keep Musgrove. You keep Kingham. You keep Diaz. You keep Bell. And everybody else, you say, let's see. What do you want for this guy? Give it a shot with Marte. Give it a shot with Vasquez. Oh, God. They should have traded him in the offseason. I told you that. That's the one thing I said. Well, it's one of the many things I said. Trade that guy when his value's highs. They didn't. They should trade Josh Harrison. They should try to fetch something for Jordy Mercer. Somebody could use a shortstop who can be an average player that's not going to kill you at the bottom of your lineup. They should absolutely trade Dickerson and Cervelli. We'll talk to my grandma about all this at 440. But you can't put one of your feet in the pool and keep the other foot on the side. Dive on in, whether it means you're rebuilding or you're going for it. And God knows they ain't going to go for it. Matt Geica going to join us in about seven minutes here on the Crowley Show. The other thing that I've heard talked about today as it relates to Major League Baseball is how do we fix the game? And that always comes up at this time of the year. Yeah, what are we going to talk about on the radio? I don't know. You want to fix baseball? That's what happened. You want to fix baseball? I try to fix baseball. Here's the dirty little secret. You can't. MLB attendance is down 6.6% from this time last year and 8.6% overall. Rob Manfred said that the league is, quote, concerned that there's something to it more than weather, end quote. Yeah, I'd say so, too. Can you speed the game up? Can you eliminate shifts? Can you put the designated hitter in both leagues? All of those have been proposed. Can you limit mound visits? Can you put pitch clocks on? I've often said that in football, you can try to take the headshots out. You can try to take some of the violence out. But you can never take out what happened to Ryan Shazier. That was a guy going for a clean tackle, and he got hurt. You can never take the violence out of football because football is inherently violent. You can shorten Major League Baseball games all you want, but to me, it's not the length of the game that's the problem. It's getting people to pay attention over the course of the game. It's getting a generation who hops from thing to thing and lover to lover and Sandwich shop the sandwich shop to stay glued to baseball. And again, it's not the length of the game. It's that baseball, like football, has an inherent part of its game. In football, it's violence. In baseball, it's boredom. I love baseball. Not as much as I used to. 
because I can't sit there while I watch the pitcher scratch his ass and grab his crotch. I love thinking through an at-bat. I love some of the downtime in baseball. But when the strikeout rates and the walk rates are as high as they are right now, the ball is never put in play. And I don't think that's going to change. Pitchers are going to continue to throw harder and harder and harder. So while everyone else is going to tell you about how to fix baseball, I'm going to tell you the truth. Baseball is beyond fixing. Coming up next, Matt Gatchka, PiratesProspects.com, PittsburghHockeyNow.com will talk to us about all those things, plus the World Cup and the U.S. Open. It's the Crowley Show. You check things all the time, like your email every 10 seconds or your ex's Instagram. But what about checking something as important as your credit? Well, Discover makes it quick, easy, and best of all, free. Discover is now offering FICO credit scores to everyone for free, even if you're not a customer. And checking your score won't hurt your credit. We call it the Discover Credit Scorecard. And once you know your score, you should check to see if your current credit card is the best fit for you. Check your credit, compare your card. Go to discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Yo, dude, Brian's not here today. I know. Or all of next week. I know. You just want to leave? Why are we doing a show? Let's leave. Looks like Martavis Bryant is going to be suspended by the National Football League. This according to reports out from Vegas. I feel bad for the guy. I'm not going to apologize for that. I've gone through my own problems. He's having his problems. I've never been addicted to substances other than nicotine. But hey, maybe nicotine kills me one day. I don't know. I feel bad for anybody who is dealing with problems and doesn't live up to their potential. And if that makes me a baby, if that makes me a snowflake, so be it. Then I'll be happy to wear those monikers. Joining me now... A fellow snowflake baby. It's Matt Geica from <laughs> you know well. prospects.com and pittsburghhockeynow.com. Hello, Geica. How are you? I'm great. Always good to be with you on a Friday, especially. What a World Cup game, by the way. Did you check that out? I did, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on. I haven't seen many other Pittsburgh people buy in hook, line, and sinker to this stuff the way that you have, and... I'm all about the U.S. Open right now. I am all about the World Cup right now. And before we get into any other Pittsburgh stuff, I do want to talk about the World Cup. Uh, I know that ties are supposed to be like kissing your sister, but uh, I just kissed my sister and I enjoyed it. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that in this case. Uh, especially if your sister's as good-looking as Cristiano Ronaldo. So, yes! Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. I can't believe he kept his shirt on for goal number three. I don't know. Uh, maybe this guy's changing. He's getting... <laughs> Uh, he's getting old. He's, he's getting more humble. I don't know if I like that at all. But, uh, hey, if that's his last international hat trick for Portugal, and it just might be, what a time for it, uh, especially compared to the first two matches that were on uh, <laughs> over the last two days. This was a slight upgrade in quality. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. And I don't know if we can expect anything better in the group stages, but I think if you're somebody who says – I don't like soccer. I'm not going to watch this. I think you're being a stubborn mule. I think if you're a sports fan, that you owe it to yourself to at least check out the World Cup and see if it's for you because the stakes are so great. The drama is so great. I don't understand how any sports fan couldn't 
at least buy into it a little bit. Well, I think every sport has its warts, and what you hear sure. most often is that uh, certain uh, American sports fans don't like embellishment. They don't like the lack of goals, uh, three-three tie notwithstanding. Um, there are several things that you could point to, but I could do the same thing with any sport out there. We're always bitching and complaining about the sports that we uh, claim to love, so I don't see what's so different besides maybe just not having time in the day or not having uh, room in your brain to fit another uh, sporting event in. But the World Cup, it's as good as it gets. It might be the most dramatic international sporting event out there. Um, I know the Olympics is huge and everything, but... Um, this is different. This is entire countries hanging on every moment of every match, and um, it's not even just the countries that are participating either. Uh, even if you're not in it, I think if you're a soccer fan, you're locked in. So that's pretty unique um, in just the, the scope of international sport. I've decided that I actually love embellishment, and I'm going to retweet <laughs> every time I see a dive. I mean, it's so terrible that it's hilarious. I, again, I, I hate saying things in absolutes, but if you can't find the comedy in that, I don't know, man. Like to me, it's just it's just funny. It's part of the game that I suppose it could irritate people from time to time, or maybe all the time. But when I see a guy roll fifteen times after he gets his toe stepped on, I'm gonna laugh at it. I'm gonna retweet. It. I'm gonna retweet every time I see embellishment from now until the end of the World Cup. The only time I didn't like like it or didn't laugh at it or be amused by it was, I believe it was Ghana. They were just blatantly yes. embellishing at the end of uh, a 2010 match against the U.S. And the U.S. was trying to catch up, trying to get a goal, and uh, boy, was Ghana wasting time. And, and so that's when I understood the hatred for it. But if you're an impartial, if you're a neutral, I think uh, it, it's probably just healthier. <laughs> it's more of a Zen approach to just say, all right, is this, um, is this completely genuine? No, but is it part of the sport? Yes, and, and can I enjoy it just from that aspect of it, I don't see why not. And for me, it's just one small blemish on a sport that is otherwise rather beautiful. I believe it's a beautiful game. I buy into that. Hugo Bonito. I think I butchered that. Uh, Matt Geica joining us here on the (laughs) Crowley Show. Uh, So who's your pick, you soccer dog, you, and who are you rooting for? Uh, Well, I'm looking forward to tomorrow, Argentina and Iceland. Um, I, uh, I just have fallen in love with this Iceland story, the size of the country, the fact that no one ever talked about them in any context uh, in sport outside of Nordic skiing short of uh, a couple of years ago when they went on that run at the, at the European Championship. So Iceland's a tremendous story. I'm Polish heritage, so um, I've talked about that on this show and many other places. Poland's in this thing. They can score some goals, so they should be entertaining to watch, too. I don't think they're going to get that far, but... Um, Hey, just to make the thing is, is pretty big for the old country. <laughs> so those are two that, uh, that attract my attention. And I'll probably just root against Mexico, because if you're a U.S. soccer fan, you don't like Mexico very much. And uh, so, yeah, those are some rooting interests that I could lay out there for you. We should build a wall. Matt Geica joining us oh, here yeah. on the Crowley Show. We're rooting for Belgium here on the program. Uh, we determined that by pulling names out of a hat after we <laughs> did some Twitter polls. And I don't know a damn thing about them other than they're fairly good. So go Belgium. Yeah, Belgium's been that sleeper team the last couple of World Cups. They just dominated the U.S. in the knockout stage last cup. And Suck it, Yeah, US. it was close. But Tim Howard made, I think, 15 saves in that one. So it was, it was not as close as the final score indicated the U.S. could have pulled one out there. Belgium's definitely a, a trendy pick. They have plenty of guys. If you watch English Premier League, um, you know, Vincent Company is, is a name that you've heard over and over again. They have plenty of players that can be game changers. So 
it's not a bad pick, uh, no doubt. It's definitely not one of those run-of-the-mill picks. It's not Brazil. It's not Germany. Um, looking like uh, Spain and Portugal are both going to be frisky again. So, yeah, Belgium's just off the map enough, I, I think, that um, you could actually get some, some street cred if you pick them and they do well. U.S. Open, do you like the challenge that it provides, or is it a little much? No, this is great. This is actually good. I didn't like it. Aaron Hills last year. It wasn't the USGA's fault. They were expecting wind, and for the one weekend out of the year out in Wisconsin, they didn't get any wind there. Um, <laughs> but they, they learned their lesson, and, uh, and Shinnecock has its natural defenses, like the wind, like the Long Island weather, which is rather unpredictable. And the U.S. Open should be at least a little tougher than the other majors. Um, it shouldn't be a double-digit under-par score unless you're like Tiger Woods in 2000, who right. is um, you know, levitating above the golf course practically. In this case, I'm enjoying it just because it's different. And, and these guys are really, really good, and, and they're uh, having a hard time breaking par. So it just helps differentiate the tournament. I think for the U.S. Open's sake, for its, uh, for its market value, um, for, for just being unique, in the sport of golf, I think it has to be like this. So I like this return to tradition in that way. I've seen a couple of people look at Tiger Woods' performance over the last two days and use it to say, eh, he's never going to win a major again. I think it's a little unfair to do that, given some of the other scores we're seeing from some of golf's greats, like Rory, who, I mean, he almost missed the cut in the first two holes yesterday alone. <laughs> Rory shot, uh, what was it, 42 or 43 on the front nine? Yeah. Now, there's a relatable score for you and I, I think those are familiar numbers. I'd love Martin to shoot Keimer, a 43. Yeah, I would, I would love to get a 43 on nine holes of that course. Uh, Morton Keimer, the, the 14 Open champion who ran away with the thing at Pinehurst, shot 83 yesterday. So let's not make this a referendum on Tiger. He's still, from what I've seen this year, the, the ball striking is good. If he can get the putter figured out, I think uh, he'll be right in it in some of these bigger tournaments. And, and still two majors to go. Um, I was more optimistic uh, about him at least being around uh, the lead at some point this week didn't pan out, but overall, I still I'm looking at this as, as icing on the cake for Tiger. I'm just I'm happy he's back out there, and even if he's not vintage Tiger, it, I, he's at least close enough, and there are still enough flashes where it's entertaining to watch, and, and you still want to want to tune in and see what he's going to do. One guy under par, and that's the leader. That's DJ, who is four under. I mean, how do you design a course to? Whenever he's playing as well as he is to stop him. I don't know if you can. No, I don't think you can either. And I had the privilege of covering the Open at Oakmont two years ago when DJ broke through finally. And at that time, you're wondering, wow, how hasn't this guy already won two or three of these, uh, whether they be U.S. Opens or Masters or any other major tournament? Because he has every aspect of his game clicking. The, the question mark was always the putter in the short game. He came through big two years ago at Oakmont, and his putting touch is just perfect this week so far, and so many guys are struggling on the greens. With his athleticism, with his distance, with his ability to, to strike the ball so cleanly um, off the fairway, out of the rough, off the tee, he does remind a little bit. He's probably the closest guy to Tiger in terms of that complete package that we have seen since, uh, since Tiger was in his heyday. So Maybe not the most electrifying personality, Dustin Johnson, but I, I do appreciate the all-around game. It's, it's really, really impressive, and uh, it's looking like um, he's going to be able to, to, to carry this one in. We'll see how the weather goes and everything like that over the weekend, but so far, so good. Our friend Matt Geica joins us now here on the Crowley Show. Matt, as it relates to Martavis Bryant, a lot of people are calling him an idiot and dumb, and I don't 
feel like there's any sympathy out there. And I think as a society, we should be a little bit kinder to people who make mistakes. Uh, no one's probably feeling worse than him if the report out of Las Vegas is to be true. Why can't we do that? Why can't we say, man, it's a missed opportunity and I feel bad for him? Why do we got to crush the guy for it? Uh, maybe certain people in their lives don't feel good about what they've done, so they have to put people down. It's the classic uh, bully syndrome, right? That's usually the psychological background behind that kind of behavior. As far as Bryant goes, I'm with you. This guy has so much to lose, and he uh, he just keeps squandering it. If, if the report is true and we have no reason to believe it's not, it's really just sad because I love to watch this guy play football. He's tremendous, and uh, he, he's a game-breaker when he's good. And uh, we saw enough here in Pittsburgh to, to make you believe he was a star in the making. And forget the money, forget all the accolades and, and, and that. It's a guy just squandering his potential uh, to do what he was meant to do on this earth, it appears. And so that part of it makes me upset, makes me wonder – um, if there isn't some real addiction issue here, it looks like there is, and I believe we already knew that uh, for him to continue to um, to run afoul of the drug policy in the NFL. Uh, but another violation here, this de facto ends his career, you'd have to imagine. Yeah. And and for me, that that's just that, that, that's something worth uh, lamenting and worth being sad over. Matt, appreciate the time, my friend. Oh, it's always good, man. And, uh, well, hey, if, if you can cheer for Poland, I'll cheer for Belgium just to make everyone there at the show feel a little better. We can we can help each other out. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and also, a mutual friend tells me that you are trying to run a four-minute mile. <laughs> that mutual friend is correct. I'm going to try to get it to five. I'm doing this Liberty Mile next month, um, downtown Pittsburgh. I've never run a mile, really, so... Um, I can get to six right now. If I can get to five in a month, then I, I like my chances to at least scare uh, the, the, the four minute at some point in my life. Yeah, the <laughs> fastest I've ever run a mile was in 639, and it's because I really had to pee. So I will not be partaking. My friend, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yep, have a great weekend, man. You too. Bye-bye. There he goes, Matt Geica. You can check him out, PittsburghHockeyNow.com. He's part owner there. He kicks ass. And, of course, PiratesProspects.com. I can't stand all these anti-World Cup people. I tweeted this out. Even if you're not a soccer fan, how can't you be captivated by this? And the Glenn tweets quite easily. That's the kind of guy who doesn't even put in the effort, though, right? That's the kind of guy who says, oh, I hate soccer because I'm conditioned to hate soccer. I've never loved soccer, so now I'm not going to put the damn thing on. But he's probably a guy who's watching golf right now. If you watch golf, if you watch baseball, and then you complain about soccer because it's too low scoring or it's too slow, you're just an idiot. It means that you can only deal with sports that are accepted in America that are slow, not ones that are slow but played around the country. And for a guy who likes scoring, and that's one of the problems with the NHL, I think, in my opinion... I love the game that we saw earlier today. Well, there's never enough goals in soccer. Six goals in 90 minutes was damn good enough for me. It was a tie, and I was enthralled the entire time because two things. One, it went back and forth. And two, we actually saw the star power. How many times does star power actually play out the way that you want it to? It does in the NBA. It's why it's so loved in this country. Uh, It does in the NFL, but quarterbacks are the guys who can change the game. In soccer... Ronaldo put that team on his back. On his back. 
and the star actually showed up. I love that. I love knowing that I'm watching greatness. And when you're watching the best players for every country, you know you're going to watch greatness. I don't care if you don't like soccer. I'll watch the Olympics. I'll watch that stupid thing where they trudge along with the skis on their feet and shoot at targets. Why? Because they're the best who do it. I mean, there's probably only 65 people in the world who do it, but they're the best that do it. It's entertaining to me. You can't, I don't think, say you're a sports fan. And this is where the take gets legit. Let's get after it, people. 412-922-2874. You can't say you're a sports fan if you don't give the World Cup the time of day. I'd feel the same way about you if you did not like the U.S. Open. If you don't like the U.S. Open, you're not a sports fan. You might not love golf, but on Sunday, if it's a two-stroke lead and they're coming down the back nine, you got to be watching that. If it's 2-2 in the 75th minute in the World Cup, you got to be watching that. What else are you going to do on a Friday at 11 a.m.? 412-922-2874. Coming up next, why baseball is not able to be saved. DNR, do not resuscitate. Just let it fade. Let it die. No life support. Let her go. And terrible transition here. We're also going to hear from my grandma. Who's 90? It's a Crowley show. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Sorry, Grandma. I mean, I didn't, I didn't mean anything by it. Followed up the DNR with your grandma. I can't believe that. Poor transition. I mean, she's she's 90. Oh, no. She staved off death for... The U.S. Open has... Always had the sole goal of identifying the best golfer in the world, which is why it's so penal in every aspect. DJ this year, Rory at Congressional, the player who plays the best typically wins in Open. That's not always the case in most tournaments where the course can set up and provide relief to poor aspects of play. That's my buddy's opinion. He just texted me. He's a big golf guy. All I know is that Phil Mickelson is putting for birdie on the 11th, and he came up well short. Which I'm sure he does in the bedroom as well. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. 6.6% the attendance down from this point last year in Major League Baseball. 8.6% overall. And this has led my media cohorts to try to fix baseball. And I'm telling you what, I've not heard any nuance in this. At all. I'm the only person here providing nuance. And I mean that. At least that I've heard. Seriously. No, I mean that here. Don't you laugh at me, Tom. I'm serious. All I hear is, well, do you think that they should go to the DH in both leagues? I've heard Manfred discuss this. Should they go to the DH in both leagues? Eliminate replay? Would that help? 
Add more replay. Would that help? Eliminate shifting? Add more shifting? Juice the ball? Allow steroids? What could happen to make Major League Baseball the sport that everyone loves again? In fact, what could make baseball great again? That's the conversation. It's happening on every station in every market throughout this country. Why is baseball dying? How do we stop baseball from dying? How do we put the oxygen mask back on this great game that was so popular in the American pastime for all these years? And I'm here to be the bearer of bad news, my friends. Baseball is dying in its terminal. There's nothing that can be done. No lobotomy. Can't do a heart transplant. This ship is sinking. And I'll mix as many metaphors as I want, and I'll still be correct. I love baseball, but I don't love it the way that I used to. If the Pirates were good, I'd watch every game. But if they're bad, I have other things to do. And I think most people around the country feel the same way. When their team is bad, and more teams are now on pace to finish with a winning percentage lower than 400 than ever before in the game, less teams are on pace to win over 100 games than any time before in the game, So when your teams aren't great or your team's ass, you're not going to want to watch. So that's part of the problem. But the other part of the problem is that baseball is inherently slow. Baseball is inherently boring. Baseball is baseball, and baseball can never cease to be baseball. And that's what people are trying to do. How do we make baseball more fun? How do we speed baseball up? You can't. What are you going to do, eliminate third base? I mean, that happens in marriage, but what are you going to do? Eliminate third base? Score more runs? First, second, home. Yeah! Moving the fences? You're going to tell pitchers to start throwing less hard? You're going to move the mound back? You're going to lower the mound? What are you going to do? What has been done is limiting mound visits. And what has been done is allowing players to walk from home to first base without actually having to throw the four intentional walk pitches. Kudos to you, baseball. You really saved a lot there. Really shaved off a whole bunch of time. To me, it's not the length of the game that's the problem. To me, the problem is that the game seems slow. It's perception as opposed to reality. A a two-and-a-half-hour baseball game, when short compared to a football game, feels longer if i'm sitting in detention and it's two hours long or i'm getting laid and it's going on for two hours that would never happen one of those is going to feel a hell of a lot faster than the other Detention's going to feel like it's twice as long because when you're having fun time flies Baseball seems long because there's so much downtime. And even if you eliminate the downtime, the ball's only in play so much. And runs are only scoring so much. And movement only happens so much. You can't adjudicate violence out of football. That's a 10-bill word right there, mother bleepers. You can't adjudicate the boring out of baseball. Baseball is inherently slow. No matter how long the game is, it's going to feel that way. College football takes four and a half friggin' hours, depending on what league you watch. Even in the SEC, you're now seeing 30-30 games. Stop the clock after every first down, and yet America's glued to it. 
College football ratings are up. We love the sport. College football is now probably America's second most popular sport behind the National Football League. And the games are longer than ever. But it doesn't feel that way. Why? Because it's constant action. Because there's constant scoring. Football has its own downtime built in, but the action itself is far more appealing, I think, to the average person. It's all relative as it relates to time. Time's relative. Detention for two hours feels like forever. You go to Kennywood for two hours, you feel like you're not there very long. College football games, two and a half hours, you go, oh man, I wish there was more. I wish it went to overtime. Major League Baseball game of two and a half hours. All right, when am I moving? When can I get up? When can I go get my car? When can I go home? And with the ever-changing demographics in this country where the youths continue to want more in less time, baseball's going to have a hard time getting people to stick around. I'm a millennial. I'm not generation whatever the bleep they say it is behind us. That generation is in their phone, is more up-tempo than I am. And if a count gets to three balls in one strike, I'm on my phone. What are they doing? They're probably just changing the channel. Baseball can do a lot of things to try to change the game and fix the game, but I don't think it's going to be able to keep up with how fast-paced the youths in this country want it to be. Speaking of yous, let's talk to my grandma. She's 90 years old. I'm not going to ask her how to fix baseball, but I do want to ask her what the Pirates should do if they should start trading everyone. Does she still believe? I'm guessing she probably does. I'm guessing she thinks that this baseball team can contend. We'll find out in a second here. Hope she answers. She's probably watching the U.S. Open. Don't want to talk to me. Hello? Grandma! Hi, how are you? I'm good. It's Adam. How are you? Um, resting my eyes, laying here, resting my eyes for the game to come on. Well, I'll ask you one question then, since you want to take a little napski here. And the question is this. Do you think these buckos can turn it around? I'm going to say yes. You pause there a little bit, though. You're not 100% sure. Well, I'm not giving up on them because I love the Buckos, and I'm not, I'm still, they are good players. They just in a little bit slump right now, but I'm not giving up on them because I think they're going to still pull it out. Off. Well, Grandma, I like the heart, and I believe in them as long as you believe in them, okay? Okay. Hey, uh. Uh, when are you guys leaving? Uh, I'm not leaving till Friday. I'll be off on Friday and then the whole next week. Uh-huh. Well, when uh, your mother's coming in on the Monday, and I'm giving her a birthday card for Adam, uh, for Leanna, because I didn't get one cent to her. I always knew it was on the Holy Day of Obligation, saying she was born on a special day. But with all, what all's going on here and worrying about Jenny over in Mexico and getting back home and everything, there's been a lot on my mind, you know? I got you, Grandma. Hey, I got to run, but I love you, and you get some sleep, and I'll talk to you. I'll call you later tonight, okay? 
Yeah, I can't wait to listen to the game tonight. We're going to pull it off. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. I love you, Adam. Love you too, Grandma. Bye. Bye. I forgot Jody was in Mexico. Coming up next, it might be the hockey offseason, and really not even the offseason yet, although the buyout period started yesterday. But we'll still talk hockey anyhow, because it's the Crowley Show, and that's what we do. Vince Cominal next, CSPN Pittsburgh.